Uh, so we're, we're talking about refreshing, we're talking about priorities, and we're, we're talking about, you know, wh what it means to, to be a people who have a faith that is practical and meaningful. Just remember, I'm going to keep saying this, that, that faith in Jesus is only as meaningful as it is practical. One of the most practical things that we can do is have priorities that are right. And so this series that we're in right now is on refreshing our priorities. And if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, we started with the first and the most important priority, and that is Jesus Christ. And, and if you're not treasuring Jesus above all else, all your other priorities are going to be out of alignment. Now, I know some of you here are not Christians, and I want to tell you the reason why your life is and will remain out of alignment is because until Christ is your highest priority, everything else is going to be all mixed up and messed up. And so I also say to you who are brothers and sisters in Christ, until you're treasuring Christ above all else, everything else is going to be mixed up and messed up. And so what we're talking about today, we're talking about not investing generously, as we talked about last, we're talking about serving generously. But if we don't do that out of a love for Jesus, then we're doing it wrong. And it won't be sustainable. It won't be joyfully sustainable anyway. And so we got to be mindful of, of having Christ as that, that primary, that priority, that, that treasure. And then having set that as the standard and the foundation, then we can get the rest of our priorities straight. So today our text challenges us to serve generously. And, and listen, God made us to serve generously. God made us to live for something that's bigger than ourselves. And that's why uh, you see people who, who believe things that are wrong, they do horrible things because they want to give their lives. They want to serve for something that's greater than themselves. And so you, you see what happened on October 7th in, in Israel. It came about because of wrong beliefs uh, about who God is, about what life is, uh, about what's important. But they took those wrong beliefs and, and, and they acted on those because they wanted to serve something greater than themselves. And it cr has created so much pain and death and suffering. At the same, same time, there's many good things that happen because, again, we're made in the image of God. And as God's image bearers, we've been made to serve. I, I read about uh, the chef that was on the Titanic as it was sinking. He was watching women and children get in the boats and he began to worry that, that we didn't, they didn't know how long they were going to be in those boats. So he, he rushed back to the kitchen. He started making as much bread as he could. And he made sure that those, those boats had bread so that, that those women and children would have something, at least to, to, could, to could provide some kind of care. Once, once he couldn't do that anymore, he, he went and noticed that there were wooden chairs on the deck. He started throwing these, these, these chairs out into the water thinking, they can float, that it may save someone's life. And, 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 and he actually had a lifeboat. And, and before he got on, he realized there were women and children. So he said, nope, you guys get on this boat. I, I, I want you to have it. Interesting enough, he was saved by one of his own chairs that he threw out in the water. How about that? It's amazing how when we serve, we are many times the beneficiaries of the very thing that we were seeking to do for others. And that's just how God works it. He allows us to be blessed by being the blessing. He allows us to be a part of something that's bigger than us. And, and in so doing, when it's rightly under Jesus Christ and treasuring him, it really does bring a blessing. But here's what I know. I know, about, I know this is about me. I'm sure it's true of you. It's easy to fall into indifference. It's easy to get so caught up in what we're feeling and what we're doing and what we've got going on that we become indifferent to some broader, greater needs, some, some things that we have been commanded by God to engage in. 
And, and let me tell you, Elav Azel, he was a Holocaust survivor, a philosopher. If you never read his book, Night, you need to, you need to read that. And it's, it's not a hard read in that it's a hard read in terms of technical or mentally. It's hard on your heart. But here's, here's one of the things that he said, and I think this is true, and I think the Bible holds it up. Action is the only remedy to indifference. Indifference is the most insidious danger of all. It's, it's inactivity that, that drives away our humanity. We, we, we become indifferent to what's going on in the world when we, when we disallow our hearts to be engaged in our lives to, to, to function in meeting needs. God made us to serve. God made us to engage. God made us to be a part of what, what he's doing in the world. You're sitting in seats right now. You're sitting in a church building right now because of the service of others. You know, we're here because, first of all, Jesus Christ came and gave his life as a ransom for many so that we could have eternal life. And it's in that life we're able to serve. But you know what? Beyond him, there were martyrs. There were missionaries. Here we are, as, as most of us, Gentiles, uh, in, a, in a, a land far away from, from Israel, we're worshiping the one true God whose, whose testimony came from there. Why? Because others came before us who were willing to serve and sacrifice and be a part of something that was bigger than themselves. And now here we are in this wonderful church. Why? Why is this church here? Because there were founders who were willing to serve and to sacrifice. And for the, the last few decades, there have been people who've been willing to serve. What will the church be in 10 years? Will Living Hope be relevant to the kingdom of God? Will, the, will Living Hope be relevant to our city and to one another? What will determine that is our willingness to serve generously with whether or not we will engage. And here's what I know. I've been in big churches almost my whole life. I was in, I was in a couple of small churches just for a short while. But here's what I've, I've realized and what I've seen is there's so many people who say, oh, it's such a big church. They've got all they need. They, they don't need me. They don't, they've got people covering all those bases. I don't, I don't have to worry with, with really serving. They, they've got it covered. That's wrong. It's wrong. Not only do we need you, you're commanded to be needed. And you are needed. You're commanded to meet needs. You're commanded to step in and to be a part of what God is doing. And, and so we as a church, as covenant members, and again, if you've forgotten this, then you need to come back to a membership class on March 3rd and remember this. When we talk about covenant membership, we talk about the, these five functions of a, a church member. And we've got pictures of it. I took this picture this week. It's on the wall outside of, of my office. And there, are, you know, we gather for worship. We equip for growth. Uh, we we, we uh, connect in groups, we make disciples. But what we're going to talk about today is we serve the church and world. It's not optional. It's not if we feel like it. This is a fundamental command of what it means to be a Christian. It certainly is a, a fundamental aspect of what it means to be a member of, of this church. And so our, our text today, it's going to challenge us to serve generously and to do so by remembering something significant and following someone significant. The text we're going to use is John. If you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to John chapter 13. God willing, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17, but, but, <clears throat> but right now, uh, Gabe is going to read verses 1 through 5. So let's all stand together. Gabe, come on up. Stand together in honor of God's word. When he's done reading, I'm going to have you greet and encourage one another for just a moment. So introverts, prepare. And, uh, and, then, and then we'll get into the text. So we're in John chapter 13. Gabe, read for us verses 1 through 5. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of, his, out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the fa- that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied around his waist. Then he poured a- water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Take just a minute, encourage one another, greet one another. You know, you think about it, Jesus just did what needed to get done. And, and that's so much of what service is about. It's about just getting done what, 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 what we need to do. It wasn't as though, and I want to encourage you to notice this, it, it wasn't as though Jesus thought, oh man, wouldn't it be fun to, to get a hold of those nasty, dirty feet and just wash them? You know, he wasn't thinking, I, this is my spirit. This is going to maximize my abilities right now. And, and I'm going I'm to get down here and wash these feet. It was neither fun nor did it maximize his abilities as the son of God, but it was a need. And he joyfully, with purpose, did what no one else was willing to do, what needed to be done. And friends, there is a great joy in simply meeting needs. Heard about the CEO who was on vacation and uh, he went to this, uh, this little restaurant, reminded him one that, that, that was kind of like what he worked in when he was in college. And so he, he was there getting some things done and he heard one of the servers say, we're really low staff. So-and-so just called. They're not going to be here. Someone else is not going to be here today. And so he just thought, I'm going to have some fun. So he got an apron and he started cleaning tables. And the manager came and said, sir, are you okay? What, what's going on? He said, if you don't mind, I did this when I was in college. I, I'm glad to clean these tables. And I was a waiter too. I can, I can wait on some tables. He said, are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, have at it. Three hours later, his wife showed up. And she was a little concerned as she should be. She says, what, what are you doing? He said, I'm having the time of my life. He said, they didn't have people show up to work. I started cleaning. They let me wait tables. And she said, are you serious? He said, yes. So guess what she did? She went and got an apron and started cleaning up. Afterward, they didn't keep any of their tips. They gave it to the ones who were there. And the manager came to him and said, why in the world would you do this? And and here's what he said. I, I love it. He said, serving others really is one of life's great blessings. It really is one of the things that God made us to do, that when we do it, it really is a blessing to us. And it's what God did. I mean, think about when God became one of us. What did Jesus say that he came to do? This is Matthew 20, 26. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so what we see in our text is something we got to remember and, and someone we need to, to follow. And, and it's significant. And so I want to encourage you. There's two things. Not just to write them down, but do them. Write these things down and then do them. And the first one is this. Serve generously by remembering your heaven-bound identity. Your heaven-bound identity. Think about what was happening in Jesus's life in this moment. You're there in John 13. Get the context, all right? You go back to John 12. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. There was the Palm Sunday. He's already come into town. Why is he in town? He's about to die for the sins of the world. 
He's literally hours from dying for the sins of the world. He's about to create the Lord's Supper ordinance. He's got a few things on his mind, don't you think? He's got other things going on. He would have an excuse as to why he didn't wash the disciples' feet, and yet he did. Why? Because he came to serve. And one of the great joys is that we serve, and he did it because of love. Look at verse 1. Look what it says here. He says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end by even washing their feet to the end. And even more than that, John, this section of John is, in my opinion, it's one, of my, it's one of my favorites. And here's why. When you look at John 14 through 16, so Jesus washes his feet, creates the Lord's Supper. You look at 14, 15, and 16, he's talking about how to live the Christian life after he's raised. He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about abiding in him. He's talking about how to have this life that only Christ can give. And then you get to chapter 17, which is the the most powerful and beautiful prayers in all of the world. It's called the high priestly prayer. And it's one that I keep telling myself I need to memorize, but I haven't. This is Jesus. And, and if you'll read it, what you'll realize is he wasn't just praying for them. He's praying for us. If you ever wonder, is someone praying for me? Here's what you know. Jesus is and has. And, and, and he, he mentions the fact that, that we are, are going to be his disciples and they're going to come. And what he was doing was he was showing love. And the way he was showing up with all these other things going on in his life, he knelt down and he did what others wouldn't do. He, he was willing to serve the needs of people. That's what love does. I like a, a MacArthur study Bible. It says this, the dusty and dirty conditions of the region necessitated the need for foot washing. Although the disciples most likely would have been happy to wash Jesus's feet, they could not conceive of watching, washing each other's feet. This was because in the society of the time, foot washing was reserved for the lowliest of, mental, of menial servants. Peers did not wash one another's feet, except very rarely and as a mark of great love. Jesus served because of love. His, his love was revealed. And, and notice, notice who else was there. Remember who else was there? Look at verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Judas was there. He washed the feet of the one who had sold him out. What, what do you think was going through the, the Lord's heart? Do, do you think as he was washing his feet, he looked up in his eyes and thought, what are you doing? He loved him. I can't imagine he didn't feel sadness for him and hatred for the devil, for the deceit and the destruction that he brought about on this one, the Bible calls the son of perdition. Here's what we know. Jesus was willing to serve his enemy and he commands us to serve everyone, to serve everyone with love. And maybe especially those who are enemies, maybe especially those who are difficult to serve, maybe especially those who would never say thanks or appreciate it. We are called to serve we are to serve everyone. And, and notice how Jesus, he, he wasn't insecure about it. He wasn't defined by this. He, he was not claiming the disciples were superior to himself. Jesus knew, look what he knew. Go back to verse one. He knew where he was going. Verse one, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. He was going back to heaven. And so he has this in his heart. He knows where he's going and, and he knows what he's about to regain. Look in verse three, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going back to God. He was doing this with confidence. And this is how 
This is how the Lord commands and calls us to serve, with confidence. Listen, you, you can't be insecure and serve the Lord's purpose. You have to be confident. You have to know whose you are and where you're going. You have to know, I am, I, am the, I am the daughter or I am the son of the King Most High. And my home is heaven, but while I'm here, I, I can be treated by anybody in any way. It doesn't matter. I'm, not, I'm serving because I love him and because he's taught me to love those that I serve. Uh, my friend Brady Cooper, pastor, he came and spoke to our men a few years ago. And, and he said this, and I think this is so true. He said, everyone is glad to be recognized as a servant but no one likes to be treated like a servant. Everyone loves, oh, she's such a servant. I know, I do my best. But no one likes to be treated like a servant. Hey, get over there and do this. Get over there and do, get in there and, and help. Do you know what a confident person can do? Is not worry about what everyone else thinks or does and says, what is it? What, what's going on? What's happening? I can help. I, I'll, I'll do it. I'm glad to do it. The insecure people have to have everyone thank them and celebrate them and think high of them. Confident people who know they, their heaven-bound identity can do anything, can wash dirty feet, even of their enemies, and, and, and gladly kneel and, and do what, what's required. Listen, if you can't do it with the confidence of Christ, your service is going to create discouragement, disheartenedness, and, and you're going to feel disrespected. But if you can do it in the confidence of who you are in Christ, you can love anybody. You can serve anybody. You can be like good parents. You can be like a good mom. You know what a good mom does? She serves thankless people. Can I get an amen from all the moms in the room? And one day a year, we, we, wind, we build up enough to say, you know, thanks, mom. Let me tell you something, what healthy families are built on. It's built on a mom and a dad who serve each other with love. You know what creates a healthy marriage? It's a wife that says, how can I serve my husband today? How can I show him respect? How can I help him in, 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 in what, what he's trying to do? And a husband who says, how can, I, how can I let my wife know how dearly loved she is and, and how much I love her and how much we need her? You, that's where healthy marriages come from. Healthy marriages produce healthy families. And this, this attitude of, of, of servanthood, this is what creates health. And this is what Jesus was calling us to. He, he was showing them and us what to do. Look in verse 16, 17, jump to the end and then we'll go back to the middle. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you might want to circle this one. Blessed are you if you do them. Not if you understand them, not if you agree with them, if you do them. Every Christian, every true Christian desires at their death to hear Jesus say a single thing. And I, I imagine most of you can probably say it with me. Say it out loud if you can. Well, good and faithful. He can't say well done if you don't do I wonder how many Christians are expecting to hear Jesus say, well done, when in life they wouldn't do anything. Do you really think when you see Jesus, your excuses that you make for yourself right now are going to hold water? Friends, wake up, recognize this is an opportunity. The Lord wants this for you. And as we talked about last week, 
what, what God calls us to, investing generously, serving generously, it, it builds the weight underneath our own life so that when the storms come, we don't get tipped over. It strengthens our faith and our hope and our love. See, when you're serving generously, here's what you realize. Here's what you see. You see God is already at work and you're simply joining him. You know what that does to your faith? Grows it. When you realize my hope is not in this world. My hope is not in what people say or think about me right now. My hope is in heaven. And I'm serving now in light of the coming king. So I hear well done. You know what it does to, to be reminded every time you serve that this world is not your home and that you're serving a purpose greater than yourself and that your God in heaven sees and knows and one day we'll, we'll celebrate it. And then the love. Friends, when you serve God out of love, your appreciation of his love for you because he served you and your appreciation for the opportunity to love others, it, it leads you to love people and love God as the Lord has commanded. Listen, I get why you don't love a church if you don't serve. I get why it's easy to leave a church if you don't serve. Because if you don't serve, you're a consumer. You're a consumer. And you simply show up and you say, well, what can I consume? Is it going to give me the stuff I want? Well, I heard over down the street they got a better program. You know, I could use a little bit more sleep. It's all about you. It means you're a consumer. And that's why it's easy to give up and leave when things aren't the way you feel like they ought to be, or the way you, you want it. But when you're a servant, you don't leave. You lean. You lean in. And you say, what's the need? All right, I'm here. I've got hands. Let's get on with it. Let's get after it. And we do that because of our first priority, Jesus Christ. And we grow because we do that. We emulate, we honor, and we love our master. And that's the second thing to write down and, and, and do. Serve generously by following your master's example. To serve is to be a servant. If you want to serve, you're going to have to be a servant. That means you're going to be treated like a servant at times. There's going, to be, there's going to be thankless times. And there's going to be, it's going to necessitate getting in and getting in the midst of stuff that's not always comfortable. One of the things that I, I love about Grant, uh, Pastor Grant, that we're looking to come be our parenting pastor, I, 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 was, I was sold uh, after hours of conversation. I saw one of the next gen told me this story, though, and I thought, that's just more confirmation. There was a problem at their current church and uh, there was a custodian and some, some ministries that were at odds with each other because they didn't feel like the custodian was doing a good job. And the custodian was, was going to take some time off, had some time off coming up. So rather than just dictating what ought to be done, you know what he did? He went and spent the first few hours of, of his day during that week to do that job. And you know what he found out? There were problems. There were resource problems. And you know what he did? He was able to understand the need and meet it and then make the changes. I love that. I love that kind of servant leadership because, you know, that's exactly what God did. God didn't stand on high and say, y'all need to behave. Y'all need to fix this. Y'all need to go like this. Y'all need to have this kind of... No, God became one of us. God entered into the problem. God addressed the problem with flesh in the game and blood in the game. And he was willing to do what no one else could do. He was willing to sacrifice to the nth degree so that we could be made whole. But while he was here, Jesus provided the holy life, death, and resurrection needed to save us. He's done everything necessary for us to be right with God, for us to be clean. And that's why I think it's funny when Peter, at first he says, oh, Lord, 
you don't have to wash my feet. You know, I'm the superior of the apostles. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you got no part with me. He's like, oh, 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 oh. Okay, well, I want extra credit. Let, let, let me get the whole works. Don't just do the wheels. Let's do all of it. And I love Jesus' response here because he's explaining how salvation works. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, then the one who, the, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but it's completely clean. And, and we who've trusted in Christ, we're completely clean. All of our sins forgiven. We're given complete credit for the righteous life of Christ. And you are clean. But not every one of you. And then he speaks of Judas, the son of perdition. For he knew who was to betray him. That, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Listen, the only ones who are clean are the ones who've trusted in Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one way to be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. And when we're saved, we're saved eternally. There's nothing we can or need do to make up for anything else. It's all, it's all met in him. And don't you know that the same God who saved us that way is not going to leave us hanging in the things he's called us to do and be. I love Romans chapter 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know, so many people, I can't serve. I've just got too much going on right now. Well, God will provide. Well, I just, I just don't know. Do you believe him or not? Wait a second, let me see if I understand this. You think God can save and provide for your eternal soul, but he can't give you a couple of hours to serve in his name? What kind of God saved you? Because that ain't the God of the, of the Bible. That's not the God, Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I love Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in, in, in glory in Christ Jesus. God provides. He has provided for our salvation. He's going to provide the strength. He's going to provide the gifts. He's going to provide the resources. He's going to provide the love. And he's provided the example. Look, we can't change hearts. We can't clean a heart, but we can clean some feet. You can't, you can't, you can't change the heart of a preschooler. But you can change their diaper. Listen, it's in the act of service that you see God show up. You know, I can't change your heart right now. Look, I can't change my own heart. I ain't gonna change your heart. Do you know what I can do? I can serve you with love. And you know what God does with that? He brings the change. I'm excited about what's happening right now in our children's classes. Because who knows, but today, a child who came in goofing off is hearing the gospel right now and is being struck with deep conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit to be saved. Who knows that that's not happening right now? And why is that happening? Because someone is serving and meeting the need. And, and what a joy and a blessing. We never know when God's going to show up. We never know how God's going to use it. I know some of you have taught, some of you have served, and you've had people show up later in life saying, this made such an impact on my life. And you were thinking, yeah, but I wasn't even doing a good job. Here's what you realize. God does the work. He just uses our hands. And he's willing to. And he's given us this example. 
So as we serve, and I'm going to finish real quick, and then I want to challenge you to do something. But as we serve, be mindful of these three things. First of all, your attitude. Check your attitude. Let Jesus's mindset guide us. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look, not only, uh, look each of you not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Check your attitude. Secondly, check your heart, your affections. Let Jesus' love fuel us. First, uh, First Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. I know it's easy to get through the motions, check off the list, I got it done. But did you do it with love? Well, no, I got it done. Well, you won't want to do it much longer if you don't do it with love. You got to be fueled by the love of God. Check your, check your attitude, check your affections, and then check your actions. Let Jesus' humble work inspire us. It's, 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 it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be inconvenient. You think washing those dirty feet was, was, was fun, that it fulfilled him? No. What, what do we do? Romans 12, 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. How do you do that? By serving and, and doing the hard work of loving those that are hard to love and doing the tasks that need to be done. Now, in our church, we divide this in two categories. Serve the church, serve the world. And we have full-time ministers and pastors that lead this work. And here's the thing. If you're not serving today, here's what you need to do. I'm going to dismiss you here literally in just a minute. And I need you to go out here into the hallway. Our ministers and pastors and some of their leaders are there to talk to you about ways you can serve in the church or in the world. And I want to encourage you to take time to do that. I mean, it'll just take a minute. If you got kids in the nursery, uh, you know, one of you, one of you send the other one, go over here and figure out or just go. Just go and, and figure out a place to serve. If you're not a Christian today, listen, you need, to get your right, you need to get your life right with God. There's places you can serve here, but quite honestly, if, you're, if your heart is not right with God, you'd be doing it for the wrong reason anyway. Treasure Christ first. Make him your priority, and then, then you can make the, the impact that you were made for. Look, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to bless you. And then we got to go. We got to go serve or we got to go sign up. So let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son. And Jesus, we praise you for your service. And we ask, oh God, that you would give us the confidence to serve in your love, knowing who we are and where we're going. And Lord, I pray that you would use our lives to strengthen your kingdom purpose and, and your work, not only in this church, but in the world. God, bless each one. That, that needs to, to step up, to step up. God, I pray for the folks who are here who are not Christians. I pray they'll come talk with me or another leader and, and figure out how it is they can come to, to, to live under your love and, and, and be made clean. But God, in all things, we desire to be a blessing. So give us your blessing, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.